0: I'm a god. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? I'm a god. There wasn't one today. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of It's Time to Rewind, a podcast stuck in its own time loop right along with the movies we discuss. In this season, we're taking a look at Groundhog Day Day after day after day after day after day. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, from Flight Stights and Movie Nights, and in this episode we are discussing Phil's fourth February 2nd, Groundhog Day, that starts at 34 minutes and 33 seconds, with Phil waking up excited to see the morning in his room, asks Miss Lancaster if anyone was looking for him, gives her a kiss, and ends at 38 minutes and 46 seconds, with Phil asking Nancy a series of questions about her high school English class. Today my guest is Jess from French Toast Sunday. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's, uh, this is going to be an interesting section of, uh, of Phil's Groundhog Day. Uh, but before we get to the, the actual movie, let me ask you, what's, what's your experience with time loop movies and time loop episodes in general?
1: I feel like I've seen a good bit of them. I I have definitely many that come to mind. And also, there's different variations on the time loop genre where they're not necessarily the Groundhog Day format, um, but other types of time travel setups that aren't just like the strictly going back to one time or, and, you know, back and forward, like back to the future style. So I really enjoy these types of movies that have different plays on time. I know there's a lot of TV shows that have done this type of format. Like um, I'm a big fan of Buffy. So Mm -hmm. uh, that one definitely came to mind, but I'm very intrigued by these types of movies.
0: Yeah, obviously so am I. And I I think in terms of the time loop structure, I I think this day in particular is an interesting section of of the time loop, because for a little while here, this is where Phil decides to use the freedom from consequence that that you get in a time loop for his own personal gain and i i mentioned the five stages of grief earlier with that he went through quickly in a in a single day but i think in the larger scheme of things this is definitely the bargaining stage of grief are are you familiar with the the five stages of yeah, grief
1: yeah yeah i i think that is like a great way to look at how he handles the situation and i agree it's kind of that time where he's like well if i have to be in this situation let me see how I can make the best of it.
0: Right. This is the first time where he actually skips some of the milestones, uh, because one, one big feature of time loops are the milestones that we can recognize as the days are repeating. Mm-hmm. And specifically, he skips the, the man at the top of the stairs <laughs> that he calls Porkchop. And he also completely skips his Groundhog Day broadcast.
1: Yeah, I feel like we've gotten to the point at at this time in the movie where the audience definitely remembers all of the beats that we've hit each time. So it really pays off in like the ways that he um, reacts to those similar beats. It's like a really fun section of the movie.
0: Yeah, and of course, the first thing that we see is... Going through some of the, the classic sins, uh, <laughs> like he, he starts off with the sin of gluttony by going to the Tip Top Cafe and just having this veritable smorgasbord of pastries.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of those um like fantasy fulfillment things where it's like, ooh, what if you could go have like try everything on the menu, cause like, what does it matter at this point when in reality no one ever does that?
0: Yeah, and he's he's really taken advantage of the fact that you know his body I mean he does he doesn't know for sure that his body is fully gonna reset every day. But he does mention the fact that He doesn't even have to floss anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is that time where he's like a little gleeful about not having to do those daily, like tedious tasks that you just kind of and like niceties with people that you have to do because... Normally there's consequences when you don't brush your teeth or, you know, when you punch the guy you went to high school in the face. Like, these are things you can not normally get away with.
0: Yeah, and I think I will say that, you know, you brought up the the punch of uh, him just flat out decking Ned Ryerson as soon as he walks up, not, not even letting him get into his whole insurance pitch. But uh, that is the happiest I've ever seen somebody (laughs) to punch somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If there was a list of like great movie punches, that's, (laughs) that's gotta be like one of the tops. Cause like I said, at this point, you've seen Ned be very annoying and Sobloski plays that role so well. It's, he really is just above and beyond like aggravating and, for him to get punched, it's like, it's, it's very effective and funny.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that there was actually an early draft of the script, and that scene with him punching Ned Ryerson was originally going to be the first scene of the movie, complete with the whole voiceover, and it was just like a little bit short of the whole needle scratch freeze frame. I bet you're wondering how I ended up in this situation. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah uh i i of course like you don't know how you would react if that was how the movie was structured i feel like i like how it actually is structured more just because i don't know developing it like with the character like learning it as the character goes is Mm -hmm. it's it's a fun way to watch the movie, but definitely dropping into the middle of it. It's um, Palm Springs kind of takes that approach. And um, in that one, it feels very effective, but I feel like knowing that it's doing a similar thing to Groundhog Day, it felt more fresh doing that.
0: Yeah. I I really think it's, it's more effective in in this movie, especially because the, the whole concept of this specific time loop is about Phil growing as a person. And I, mm-hmm. I it's not about him overcoming some sort of thing that's been done to him, where in that situation, it might be, it can be more effective to start in the middle. But since it, it really is more about Phil developing as a person, it's better to see his development go from beginning all the way through to the
1: end. Yeah. And I also feel like how I was saying, we've seen this character be so aggravating. If you just were dropped in the middle and all of a sudden you just see Bill Murray punch this guy and you're like, what? what is this? Like it would be, you wouldn't get the same payoff as you'd get with like seeing that character over and over again.
0: Yeah. And that, that, that is a good point because that, that is an odd place to start. I, I would almost think <laughs> that it would make more sense if they did end up doing something like that. It, it would make more sense to have something happen to Phil where Phil is the one being the victim. And then mm. you'll... Because that that gives you a bit more sympathy for the main character. But in this situation, you're starting in the middle and you're seeing bad Phil. Basically, and then we go back to the beginning, and he's still bad Phil because that's where he starts and the, we we don't see any change in in his personality in fact he like at that point he's actually gotten worse before he starts to get better,
1: yeah, I think ultimately it's structured in the best way to tell this particular story
0: mm-hmm. and uh, another thing that I noticed in in terms of the repetition, besides him punching. Ned Ryerson, this is the first time that he doesn't actually step in the giant puddle. And <laughs> on top of that, I, I could be wrong because I'm I'm actually watching the loops as, as they're coming. I haven't actually gone back and watched the film from start to finish again recently. But I believe that this is actually the last time that he that the puddle comes into play. I, I think the puddle goes away. And even though it's still early in his development, and like we just said, he's he's actually getting worse at this point rather than getting better. But that is one just little part where he actually improves his day and learns from the past repetitions in order to, to better his day overall.
1: Yeah, but like speaking of like him kind of getting worse as a person during this segment of the movie, it's not just that he doesn't step in it. He lets someone else step in it. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of meaningful in a way that it's like, he's kind of giddy at the fact that someone else was the one that stepped into it, not him when like, if it was uh, like a real, like personal learning moment, he would have also stopped that guy from stepping in the puddle
0: right and and that's he also really feels like he's echoing Ned Ryerson at that moment because the the first two times that he steps in the puddle Ned Ryerson is right there and he gets that that extreme glee at seeing Phil step in the puddle like, yeah. yeah oh watch that step it's a doozy mhm mm-hmm. <laughs> uh And then going back to the diner scene with Rita, we actually get a little bit more personality from from Rita, Mm -hmm. and we get her just randomly spouting poetry, where she goes into Sir Walter Scott, you know, full on, just out of nowhere, the wretch. Con- to all in self living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung, unwept, unhonored, and unsung, complete with all the the dramatic pauses and and everything. And that 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 feels like the to me it's like the more prestigious version of working movie quotes into day to day life. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure, because it's like. It's such a ridiculous thing to do, to, like, quote something, especially something that long. It's not like it was a one-line thing. Like, that is a lot to remember, that whole um, poem. And I I don't think it necessarily makes Rita seem like...
0: The better person?
1: Yeah. (laughs) She seems very pretentious when Mm -hmm. she says that. But it is very funny.
0: Yeah, and also... It it it's not fully fitting with with her oeuvre because this is Scottish poetry, and she keeps talking about how she majored in French poetry. Mm-hmm. So th- this is like a, a little bit of her flexing. It feels like, but <laughs> but at the same time, I I think that Phil actually flexes back because he actually responds because the the poem itself is is about. The, like the dangers of narcissism and about this, this person who was so self-centered, but then whenever he died that no one cared. And Phil actually comments on the fact, like, what, are you saying that I'm self-centered? You know, it, it's funny. It, he presents it in a funny way, but I think at the same time, it's actually telling that he is an intelligent man that is able to hear this poem and understand the meaning behind it rather than just the, all this, this random poetry.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though he's pretty snarky about it, I think it does kind of hint in like the deeper level that they might be able to connect later on. Right. And
0: we'll get into this a bit later, but I, I think that the film just completely skips over that. But I, I think this is really kind of the, first hint at a a connection between them like a real connection between
1: them yeah it's definitely getting that like um push and pull aspect of that's like very popular in like romantic comedies of kind of being frustrated with each other Hmm. like he sees her as this like a little over the top positive but like pretentious person and then she just sees him as a total ass which is like definitely not not unreasonable of her to think that
0: (laughs) yeah based on everything that that she's seen from him
1: yeah so they're definitely like two personalities that are um not gonna get along at this point
0: on his way out of the diner he stops and, and talks to nancy and starts asking her random questions so I mean i I really have to ask you because whenever I was scheduling guests for this podcast in general i I realized that you know I've got a lot of guys here like I, I really gotta get some get a woman's perspective on some <laughs> of these and but if a guy just randomly asked you your name out of the middle of nowhere, would you tell him your full name or just your first name?
1: Oh, no, I would definitely only say my first name, and I probably wouldn't even want to do that. Like, I probably would, just out of, like, social politeness, and, you know, maybe they do know me somehow, or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I would absolutely not hand over my last name. (laughs) That actually stood out to me. I was like, "Mm, I think I can tell that a guy wrote that line. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's like she's just yeah you know there there's a little bit of trepidation. she's like, you know what what's this for But then she just happily get, gives you know where she went to high school and the the name of her high school teacher's name without without hardly any hesitation.
1: Yeah, if uh, this took place during like present time, I would think he was trying to get the answers to, like, the security questions <laughs> to get into her bank account or Facebook or something.
0: Yeah, and uh, what's what's the last three digits on the, on the uh, the back <laughs> of your credit card?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like like watching this, I did kind of think that it was. Like, if I was in her shoes, I might think that he was about to be like, oh, I recognize you from high school. So it doesn't seem like completely crazy to go down that line. But then the fact that he just, after that, just leaves it there and gets up and walks away, I would be very concerned after that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I
0: I definitely feel feel a little sorry for Nancy and, you know, uh, even more coming up here in uh, as the movie goes on, she's a, a character that's, you know, I, I think Phil is at the point where he's starting to view people, even, like, he's he's always, in, from what we've seen, just sees other people as kind of a means to an end, but mm-hmm. I, I think even more so right now, he's really just seeing the people, especially in this town, as just objects and that like not not really personalizing with them at all.
1: For sure. Yeah, he's kind of at this point it's like almost he's the the first player in a video game and no one else is really real to him anymore. Um cuz certain things that there's, you know, there's movie uh logic and then there's, you know, you can go into the real world implications of that. But like something like him kissing the B and B owner is like very funny and but it's also like that would be crazy for that to happen to that woman. Mm-hmm. And she kind of was a little, you know, taken by him. So maybe she wouldn't have minded so much, but then you can kind of get a little cynical and be like, no, you really shouldn't just be going around kissing people on the lips like that. Um, in the context of the movie, it's definitely um, a funny moment though.
0: Yeah. I, I think you're right. That And this, in other types of time loop movies, you get more of a video game feel to it, especially like uh, Edge of Tomorrow. But I I do think that there is a video game element, like you just said, where all the the non-main characters are like NPCs.
1: Yeah, and like something like that Airbnb owner, it's, you know, maybe not... not, Did I just say Airbnb? (laughs) Yes, you
0: did. (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, The B&B owner uh, or manager, whatever she might be, Something like that may be, you know, fairly playful, but, like, what he does to Nancy is not, not great. Like, that, you know, no, he knows that it doesn't really matter, but it's kind of gets to the point of, even if you knew it didn't matter, is that something you would still be okay with doing?
0: Yeah, I, I you think know? you're right, and we'll dis- discuss that in, in a bit more detail <laughs> in, in the next loop.
1: Yeah, might be jumping uh, the gun there a little bit, but...
0: Yeah, you do get a sense right now that that these are just uh, NPCs, and uh, in the morning he woke up actually excited because he spent the previous night in jail, and then he woke up <laughs> basically freed from the consequences of his driving around recklessly on the train tracks getting chased by
1: cops. Yeah, he's actually like, oh, this could actually be kind of fun.
0: That's pretty much all my notes for for this day. Did you have anything else to, that you wanted to talk about?
1: The only other thing that I jotted down that I was going to mention, and this is more of just a side note, but I love the YouTube channel Binging with Babish, and if anyone's not familiar, he recreates... Um, food items that are featured in movie and TV shows. And he made a cake, like a angel food type cake with the pink frosting, (laughs) like the one that uh, Phil Phil stuffs in his mouth. mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I feel like that came out not too long ago. And when I saw that, I really didn't remember the context of the scene. (laughs) So it was kind of funny and cute to actually see it play out.
0: Yeah, and that does remind me of one other little tidbit uh, behind the scenes tidbit was that you know a lot of times in in movies whenever you, there's scenes with the actors eating they usually try to eat as little as possible. But here you you know you see him stuff the entire cake in his mouth and uh, I believe it was from the Director's commentary on the Blu ray of this movie with Harold Ramis. But he said that in these takes, Phil actually, or Bill Murray, was actually eating a lot of the the food that you, you see in front of him, so much so that, that he made himself sick by the end of the day.
1: I bet. <laughs> Especially if they had to shoot a few uh, takes of that cake slice scene. Um, if he wasn't, you know, spitting that out afterwards, that would get, you know, make you queasy pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and then I, I do have one other question for you bef- before we wrap up this loop. Uh, I am, I, I, feel like that this is a good time to ask you. Phil obviously is trapped in Groundhog Day for a long time, but there's only. 36 days that we see on screen, but there's obviously a lot more days that we don't see. How long would you, is your estimation of how long Phil was trapped?
1: So after watching this, my husband and I had a very long conversation debating (laughs) how long this whole uh, movie would take place over. And I read a couple things of, what Harold Ramis has said and what other people have calculated, which seemed just too high for me to wrap my head around. (laughs) I mean, to me, like, without thinking too deep into it, I would think that this took place in, like, a one-to-three-year span of his life. But given, like, some of the skills that he did develop, it could be, you know, longer than that, but... I just can't imagine someone living through this for, like, more than, like, you know, five to ten years without, like, just going completely insane. Like, I just can't imagine that someone could go decades through this.
0: Yeah, that that would be a tough thing. I, I mean, there, <laughs> there are different ways that you can re- change up a day that everybody else is doing exactly the same thing. But, yeah, it would be tough after a while, just the, the repetition. I, I mean, you know, for for people like the, the two drunks, the, you know, people's everyday repetitions, you know, you live different days, but not much changes. That, that can get mm-hmm. to, to people after a while, too. But, yeah, to live the literally the exact same day, it would be maddening after a while. I could see that. Yeah.
1: And maybe part of it is just me being sympathetic and that I hate to think of someone being stuck for decades. Like, that is just such a depressing thought to me that I just hope that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah, that's a good place to to end this, this loop. But, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm going to have you back here on the next episode, but for everybody else at home, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you and your work online?
1: So, I am part of a website called French Toast Sunday. Um, you can find us at FrenchToastSunday.com, and we have lots of archives of um, writing on our blog as well as over 300 episodes of our podcast. Um, so check us out there. All
0: right. And I am Bubba Wheat. And you can find me and this podcast at com, where I also have written reviews on over 500 different superhero and comic book movies. And you can find this podcast, It's Time to Rewind, on anchor.fm as well as a variety of other podcasting services. And I will be back on the next episode just remember to be kind it's time to rewind I'm a god well what if there is no I'm a god there wasn't one today I got you I got you the wretch concentred all in self Living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung. Unwept, unhonored, and unsung, Sir Walter Scott.